Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Hey guys, it's Judy. Hey dudes, it's Sana. Hope you guys enjoyed our last Marvelous episode where we laughed a lot with Preeti and Lorraine. Ooh, I mean, we actually laughed a lot, a lot. It was We did, and we also learned a lot about the great books that they're working on. So lots of fun. We had an amazing time with both of them. Plus, we've got Lorraine joining us later in the episode. But we also are bringing some more comedy to you today because we were lucky enough to talk to Darcy Carden from The Good Place. The Good Place. She is so, so amazing, so much fun, also really tall. I was like, where's Sana? Because I'm really short and I needed someone else to be short with me. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm like really disappointed I didn't get to meet her. But at the same time, I was like, I have enough of a short complex. Yeah. So well, she also has great posture. I feel like I don't have great posture. So um, Darcy plays the um, very amazing Janet. Watch the show. You'll know exactly who she is. And um, if you haven't, you should, because I think that show is just, it's one of my favorite shows on television today. It's brilliant. It's funny. It's witty. It's all of the things. It has a lot, an amazing cast. So many of my favorite actors are actually on that show. So I was so upset, though, that Darcy was here and I couldn't. You were off being too famous. I couldn't see her. Too yes. important in meetings and stuff like that. I had I had something awesome, a very super secret awesome thing that I did. However, I was really jealous because I was trying to make it in time to meet her. Because I do want to say, Darcy, if you're listening to this, I have to say, I think you are sort of, you're this unsung comedic hero because you're so fantastic in everything that you do. You have amazing comedic timing. And there's just such a nuance to the way that you act. And I am definitely feel like I'm kissing up. Because I am. Because I think she's so fantastic. And I hope that she's in a lot more. But in the good place, she is fantastic. So I'm super jealous. I'm super jealous. Well, we talked about community and sort of, you know, one of the themes that we talked with Lorraine Singh about on the previous episode was about the community within the comedy world, especially in the New York City comedy world. So she talks about how she became part of UCB and just like fell in love with that world and sort of improv. And, and one of my cards had... Had the picture of her with the miniature horse from season one. Oh, really? That was like one of my note cards. It had nothing to do with anything. I just wanted, I just wanted to print it out. So that's awesome. So with that, why don't we listen in on the very special interview that Judy got to do and I didn't? Welcome, Darcy. Thanks, Judy. I'm very excited to talk to you because Yay. all my friends love The Good Place. Um, Thank you and so to I've, I've been the slippery slope into it. I know. It, it is one that like when people like it, they really like it. So it, not that it's like the biggest show in the world, but the fans kind of act like it is. <laughs> so that if their friends don't like it, you're you're going to hear about it a lot. Yeah. So we appreciate those annoying friends of yours. Well, I think this was one of the great things about a lot of these shows, including The Good Place, is this community that's come up out of yeah. it where you guys really like you have fans that like live tweet your shows yeah. and you guys are all into it, too. It's kind of amazing. I don't know how that happens or how you like, you know, you, you can't really plan for that or make it happen without it happening organically, I think, which is very cool. We did Comic-Con this year. And we were in this big room and there were all these amazing fans that had dressed up and had questions and had signs and weird masks. And it was great. And afterwards, we were talking to Mike Sure, The cast was talking to him and he was like, there are so many steps to even get a TV show on the air. Like even that would have been a win. Yeah. And the fact that that we would have fans of the show that care enough to come to these comic cons and I mean it's like he's like this is why we do what we do it really is, which we all of course got like teary eyed and we were like it is why we do what we do but it's it's just like you can't hope for it because it's so rare it's very lucky 
Yeah. And it's it's kind of amazing because obviously here at Marvel, we have sort of this like intense fandom, good intense, obviously. Yeah. But it's it's kind of amazing to see that now because it's a bigger acceptance for those to be like a fan of a thing. Right. That they can spread their fandom across different spectrums. And then also from that, you can like meet fans in yeah. different communities that like maybe slightly different things, but also the same things. And you can bond over those I different things. I love that. I love that. I mean, that's like, this is the thing is like Marvel and maybe a more sci-fi TV show used to be like people wouldn't admit it or whatever. Now it's like the coolest thing to be a part of. But, you know, I remember even when I just like started dating my husband, started dating my husband. He wasn't my husband yet. I mean, if that's how it worked, it could work. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it might. <laughs> that's in true. Some, yeah. That's true. But with us, it, we met as um, just not married yet. And he was super into comic books. And he was just a huge, huge, huge Marvel fan. And, and it wasn't like everybody around us also knew what, you know, he would have to like really explain what comic book he was reading or whatever. And he had like a couple friends, like my aunt, they really bonded over comic books, but a couple um, friends who he could bond with. And now it's like, oh, you just click on the internet and you have millions of people that love the same thing that you do. And it's, there are so many not great things about the internet, but one great thing is truly like bringing people together across truly like the world, right? Yeah. And it's accessibility, right? You know, now you can watch shows on, instead of like tuning in, which you still should do is tune in, but you can go online and binge watch all the seasons of different things. And then if you weren't really into comics, but you wanted to, there's like a big universe of people out online who are like, this is where you should start reading. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I also like, it seems like maybe we've gotten to a point, it kind of feels like really hardcore fandoms used to kind of be like, you have to know every single thing about every aspect of what this is. And now, maybe because there are so many more fans, it is kind of like, come with us. We'll help you. You don't have to know it all. Like the stuff you like and don't like the stuff you don't like. I mean, of course, there are pockets of every little thing that's like, they're going to be a little more militant about it. But I guess, how do I say this in like a lamer way? It's cool to like what you like, right? Yes. (laughs) That's it. It's cool to like what you like and own it and like, Find your people. Find your community. Yeah. And I think the UCB is also similar to that yeah. because there's a Lorraine Sank, who's one of the hosts here. She's really part of the UCB and like has really sort of introduced us to this like comedy community here in yeah. New York, which is kind of amazing. It is kind of amazing, huh? Yeah. So I'm sure people know, but in case they don't, UCB is the Upright Citizens Brigade. It's a big comedy theater and a comedy school in New York and in L.A. And that's where I got my comedy education, I guess. I started taking class there oh so many years ago. And I lived in New York for like 10 years. And and most of those years, I was performing at UCB. And now I still am in LA. I do improv. I do sketch. I do, you know, basically everything but stand-up. Because stand-up terrifies me. The idea of doing stand-up is, it like makes my palms sweat as I'm talking Well, I mean, as you go out into the stage, hundreds of people are looking at you. And you have to like make the jokes on point. Because I think that's sort of the misconception about comedy is yeah. that most people just think it's stand-up. Right. But now, thanks to like UCB and different stuff, and yeah. obviously like SNL, there's these yeah. skits and like improv. Yeah. I do think it's – there's kind of two different like almost comedy philosophies. There's there's scary things about all of them for sure. And the idea of being on stage by myself and – and uh, oh, gosh. I, I, <laughs> it makes me so nervous. I love being with a group. I love being like with an ensemble. I love being with a scene partner. And, you know, I'm sure there are things about stand up that improvisers fear and vice versa. I know that going on stage with no- nothing written and nothing prepared is also scary, but that works for my brain better. 
So what drew you to sort of comedy versus maybe necessarily acting yeah. and using quotations? Yeah. It's funny. I went to college for theater, like real theater, theater, Shakespeare and like straight plays and like kind of drama. And I kept getting cast as the kind of funny side character, which, you know, every Shakespeare play has like some funny old lady or whatever. <laughs> and um, so I kept getting cast as those characters, not really putting together why, just kind of that's the way it was going. And then looking back on high school and everything, it was like, oh, yeah, I was always playing some sort of weird, funny side character. But I, again, I didn't want to do stand up. So I didn't really know where my place was. And I moved to New York after college. And I knew I wanted to be an actor, but I, I don't know. Broadway wasn't really my scene. I don't know. I just did not know. And then I truly like stumbled onto a show at UCB and the sparks and the electricity. And the it was like, ah, I just I knew that I had to do that. The next day I signed up for class. I saw an ASCAD on a Sunday night. And then on Monday I signed up for class. And this is like how long ago it was. The person who worked at the UCB office as like an intern was Donald Glover. (laughs) And he he signed me up and I gave him my check. (laughs) That's how long ago it was. (laughs) Yeah. And then I never stopped. And then that the UCB world has has, uh, Donald Glover included, but has like given life to so many um, performers that you love on TV and movies and stuff like that. And and so it's been incredible to kind of watch friends and heroes of mine like really – make some amazing things out there. You sort of watch your friends get these moments and then you have the opportunity to get your own moments and then you guys all go together at like red carpets and you're like, oh my God. It's wild. Yeah. It's funny. You don't get into comedy or acting in a basement theater for free to like make it. You do it because you love it, right? You do it because like you're obsessed with it. But it is now really wild to like yeah, like you said, be on a red carpet or be at a some weird award show or something and look around and, and be like, I remember the green room of like a UCB show, you know, 10 years ago when blah, blah, blah happened. I won't even say it. You know, it's wild to kind of see all, all the great things people have like made of themselves and continue to do. And by the way, speaking of UCB and The Good Place, it's been so fun over the like these last three seasons. So many friends of mine from UCB get to be on the show, like Jason Manzukis and Kirby Hal Baptiste, and all these like and Eugene Cordero. All these people pop up in little roles and little episodes here and there, and it's it's wild. It's so lucky. Well, it's, it looks like you guys have a lot of fun. We have too much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's stupid that it's work. You know what I mean? I never don't want to go. It's never like Ugh, work today. I'm like. Waking up at five in the morning, just like, bing. <laughs> I'm like, I get to go to work. That's, I have never had that feeling before. It's great. It's I, great. And like on a show, like, do you guys sort of like stick to the script? Or are you like, do you do a little improv on set? Because I, that's always the fun when right. I'm like watching like the outtakes. Yeah, of people. yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of funny people. So there is going to be some improv. But the way the scripts are written, it is so, well, first of all, they're so funny anyway. Like they, the writers have, thought about every word of it and the jokes are like perfectly crafted and not hacky and not punchliney and and so I feel like we all learned pretty quickly that like anytime we'd improvise it would be not better than the script (laughs) occasionally you'll throw in something here and there that like works great and obviously as an actor you just want to be like loose but the scripts are like so tightly written and the story is so on a track to crazy town (laughs) to to spoiler (laughs) town I will not say that um you just kind of want to stick to the script. But when Jason Manzukis was there, who plays Derek, 
Mike Schur, who created the show, was he was kind of like, when you and Jason are in a scene together, just go nuts. <laughs> He's like, do your thing, which was really fun. <laughs> so fun. So stupid. Do you ever get like nervous? Because being on set and there's all these cameras and all these yeah. people looking at you, I mean, besides being on stage and have like... Is but there... it's different, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I had gotten so used to being on stage. Honestly, like since I was a kid, I was doing plays. So you'd think that transitioning into being on a set with cameras and everything would be the same. And it's totally not. It totally takes getting used to. You don't have the rehearsal process that you do for a play. Sometimes you're meeting the actor for the first time in the scene. Like there's so many weird things about acting with cameras and for the screen that three seasons in I'm like getting used to. But I still, even as simple as like, if you say something funny, if you say a joke, nobody can laugh because it'll ruin the take. So you have to sort of train your brain. I've been like programmed. No, I'm not a computer, but you know, trained that uh, <laughs> uh, to learn the audience will tell me if it's funny or not immediately. And so I, I've learned how to like deal with an audience and what works and what doesn't work. And now if I say something that's supposed to be funny, I kind of have no idea if it was or not until they edit it and put it on the screen. So it takes some getting used to. And many actors will say that like on their drives home from any set, you're just kind of like going over it in your mind. Like, what? What did I do today? Did it work? Did that thing work? I have no idea. You just you have to trust the director. You have to trust the editor. It's so out of your hands. You do your thing and then you're like, OK, I guess that's it. I hope it works. <laughs> that does seem like like such a challenge because I didn't go to school to be in front of cameras and be in front of cameras is, is in do. itself. A, well, some, some days, but it's such a challenge mm -hmm. that you don't think you were like, oh, it's just an electronic device. Yeah. No, you no, like no. second guess everything yeah. you do in front of a camera. Yeah, there's something weird about the fact that it's like you did that thing that day, but then it's going to live for the rest of your life. You just did a thing. Like right now we're just talking, but like, I don't know, our grandkids could watch this if the world still exists. We don't know. Wow, we got really like sorry, deep down sorry, there. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> well, and like looking at even just the, you know, all these pictures, like, like, I mean, it's, it's the internet, it's social media. Yeah. But it also, I feel like probably adds for good comedy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. And what is it like time plus, wait, tragedy plus time equals humor? Anything that was maybe not so good 10 years ago, I can turn into something funny now. In five years, you're going to come back. Yeah. We're going to redo this. Okay. And we'll see word if we're word. still talking. Yes, <laughs> word for word. <laughs> so The Good Place. Yeah. You're in season three. Season three. You got picked up for season four, which is exciting. We, do. we go back in a few months to start filming again. What is it like for you to sort of, you're at season three. How excited are you for more spoilers this year? Yeah, I mean, it's, we have a couple more episodes left this season. And I couldn't tell you the first thing about what happens. And the end of this season is like a real wild ride I would say and it's so fun and it was so 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 fun and insane to film I can't wait to watch it like back with the world or whoever you know the the good place world because I think there's I always have this feeling like I wish I could be in people's living rooms with them while they watch it and just kind of like watch them while they watch it but I can't but I'd like to. I mean, I guess that's what Twitter is, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Where people live tweet. I have yeah. a couple of friends that actually live tweet yeah. the good place. There's, so. there's something so funny about live tweeting. Like, it's so exciting to hear people's opinions and thoughts and reactions as they're watching it. But then the other side of me is like, watch the show. <laughs> watch it. Stop tweeting. <laughs> I mean, like, they watch it and then they live tweet it? Yeah. I don't know. That's great. I love that. Watch it once sans phone. 
and then watch it again and tweet the hell out of it. Just watch a lot of it so yeah. they can get picked up for like even more seasons. Exactly. Is like the key. Yeah. I'm, and I'm also always so like impressed by actors who are on shows that have spoilers. Yeah. Oh, it's. And how they talk around it's a, a show. It's, I think it's. It's a skill, a learned skill. Because season one was like, it's my first TV show. It's it's Jamila and Manny and Will's first TV show. And we know we have this big, huge spoiler coming up. And Mike sure is, is saying like, don't say anything. And then it's our first time doing interviews. And it was, it, that first season was like, I felt like I, I was going to explode. It was like. I don't even want to do an interview. I don't even want to do a red carpet because I don't know what to say. I've learned now that you can say, I'm not going to tell you because yeah. you don't you don't want to be spoiled. Yeah. But back then I was like, well, it's such an honor to be working with Kristen Bell. And now it's like, okay, okay, relax, relax, relax. <laughs> it is an honor to be working with her, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also available. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Um, where can uh, fans find you on the internet? Um, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Darcy Carden. No, no apostrophe, because I don't think that works. On yeah, I was like, can yeah. you put an apostrophe? I don't. No, I don't think you can. Um, <laughs> and then uh, you know, wherever the hell else you find me, uh, that's where I'll be. Yeah. yeah. Well, also on Thursdays. Oh yeah, that's on right. a good place. Yeah, nine thirty for the next couple weeks, and then Barry on HBO. And then actually Broad City's about to come back. And I'm on that. Oh, too. that's right. Oh, yeah. that's right. I last just started season. seeing the ads in yeah, the subway. I'm like season. very excited for it's that one. It's a great too. one. It's yeah. a great one. Yeah. And also you could stream these on Hulu and yeah, HBO yeah. Go and all that stuff. You know how it works. Yeah. Go watch it. Go watch it. Go, Go stream watch it. it. Cool. Well, thanks so much for thanks joining for us, Darcy. This is great. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Darcy for joining us. Uh, it was such an amazing conversation. And hopefully she comes back so that Sana can talk to her and be happy. Yay. I hope. I hope. I hope. Before we get to some news and updates, we're super excited because we're bringing Lorraine Sink to talk 80th anniversary. Hey, Lorraine. Hey, thanks. You can't get rid of me. I'm like a bad penny. <laughs> With that's, more... a good, that's a good oldies joke. I like that. Yeah, thanks. I'm bringing it all back and I'm going to bring back some Marvel history for our Marvel 80th as well. This year is the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics. And as part of that, we're doing some amazing stuff across all the different platforms including the Women of Marvel, where we're going to be talking about historical female characters and sort of their origin stories, and Lorraine's going to bring all the history to us. Yeah, that's right. Every month I am going to do a little deep dive into some interesting female characters, talking about the ladies that it introduced into the Marvel Universe and where we have gone in the last 80 years, which is a lot of years. I'm so excited to be here to talk about something that I am very passionate about, which is Marvel Comics, or more specifically, Marvel Comics number one. So I'm going to be telling you about the first comic that launched the Marvel Universe, the seven stories inside, and I'm going to really break them down from these stories that have the least amount of women to the most women that are the most badass, including our first female villain and our first female anti-heroes. So let's start off with a little bit of history about Marvel itself. So the Marvel Universe as we know it kicked off in 1939 at a company called Timely Comics. It later came under the imprint Atlas, noted by its little Atlas symbol, and it later became Marvel Comics, largely in part to this comic book that was created in 1939, which is Marvel Comics number one. Now this isn't like 
your normal comic book where you might go pick one up in the store today where it's one story, maybe two stories. This actually had seven different stories in it, all different genres, all very disparate, not sharing any characters. This is a pre-MCU world where everything is pretty far apart. So I'm going to talk you through these stories out of order, which doesn't matter because (laughs) none of them are related. So as promised, I'm going to start with the characters that have the least amount of women in them. That is, namely, The Masked Raider by Al Anders. It was essentially a Western. Even the horse was a guy. There are no ladies. The next one was Jungle Terror by Tom Dixon. Also, sort of an adventurer in the jungle. There was terror. Story. No ladies made it on the expedition, unfortunately. The first character I'm going to bring up is probably one of the less successful ones, is Constance Rand, not related to the Rand family, a.k.a. Danny Rand, but also we're in a tragic plane wreck in the middle of the jungle in Adventures of Kazar the Great by Bob Bird and Ben Thompson. So essentially, Constance, in the plane crash, she breaks her leg. She immediately dies of fever. Her husband is injured and is mentally compromised and is not really capable of raising their son by himself. But this was not maybe the most exciting use of a lady. So let's get into some more exciting ones. My next favorite, we have two secretaries in our stories. We have in the angel, the first female character that shows up in that, blonde hair, red dress, Also, we have in the Human Torch story, in our very first story, we also have another secretary, blonde hair, red dress. Blonde hair, red dress, I guess, was the symbol for secretaries in that day. I also think they're very uncomplicated primary colors. And if you know anything about printing in this time, it was really hard to get nuanced colors. Green, in particular, purples, they were hard to print in those early, early days. But I do get just sort of a general tickle out of all secretaries having blonde hair and red dresses. But then we have some more interesting women that I'm really excited to get into talking about. So I mentioned before in The Angel by Paul Gustafson that there was a secretary. But there's also our first female villain in the Marvel Universe. It is her only appearance in the Marvel Universe, to my knowledge. And her name is Lil, which I assume is short for Lillian. She's this sort of shadow lurking in the distance, leaving small clues for our masked vigilante, the angel, who is essentially a guy who wears a super suit, a cape. I think he's got like a little mask or something like that. I love this because they sort of play with the deception of her being a woman. Well, it turns out that she is actually sort of the second in command for the big bad of the book, and she is actually giving him clues on the guys that she doesn't want to split the payout with. So she's really sort of the mastermind of the whole book. Uh, She doesn't really appear anywhere else in Marvel Comics, but Lil has my heart. And now we're going to get into my favorite book from Marvel Comics number one. It is Submariner by Bill Everett. So the Submariner might sound familiar because Namor the Submariner continues to be in our comics all of the time. This is his first appearance. He has continued through Marvel Comics since this book. But what is really awesome about it is that the women in this story actually drive the narrative. So essentially, Namor is introduced as an Atlantean, a guy who lives under the water, who is fighting humankind, fighting the people on the land. He goes to his mother, Princess Fen, and when he shows up and he's like, hey, mom, look it, I basically ripped this guy off of a ship and I started a war with the land people. She's so proud of him and so excited because she has this vendetta and has set her son against the earth people. Now, when Namor needs help, he doesn't turn to his 
what you might think in these kinds of stories, like, oh, my fellow soldiers, my fellow men, the fellow soldiers are his cousin, Dorma. She essentially goes along with him on this adventure. She is in the mission fighting alongside him as a complete equal. But the cool thing about this, I think, is that Fen and Dorma become these lifelong characters just like Submariner, just like Namor. And they both are in the battle. Neither one is a damsel. Both of them are largely driving the storyline that Namor is in. He's actually more of a cog or a instrument within the story and a lot of it is happening to him whereas I would argue if you look at normal story structure with a protagonist and an antagonist that really Fen is probably our protagonist in that she is looking for something she is fighting for someone even though she might be the villain that was Marvel Comics number one. You guys should read it on Marvel Unlimited. If you like more stuff about women, I wrote a book called Powers of a Girl. You can read more stuff there. And uh, thank you, Judy and Sana. This is so fun. Well, thanks so much, Lorraine. I, I learned so much this week, and we're super excited to have you join us again next month. So news, updates, things. We've got rising, Marvel rising. Always rising. So we just had the launch for Chasing Ghosts. It's the next feature after the Marvel Rising Secret Warriors film that came out a couple of months ago. Now we've got Ghost, Chasing Ghosts featuring Ghost Spider, um, as you guys know her as Spider-Gwen, and her sort of joining up with the team to try to make sure she finds out who actually killed her best friend. It's a lot of fun. We also just launched the music video for our new, original song called Side by Side sung by Sophia Wiley um, of uh, Disney Channel fame she is actually joining us as Riri Williams (gasps) that's so exciting uh, Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart. More on her coming in the next, uh, well, this year. I can't really give information as to when you're officially going to see her in Marvel Rising Animation, but you will, and it's fantastic, and it looks great. But it's a really personal and special franchise, obviously, to me, as you guys know, because I've talked about it a Yay! million times. More Rising. More Rising. Um, and we've got tons of stuff cooking up behind the scenes that hopefully should start going out in the next few weeks as we gear up for Marvel Studios Captain Marvel. Plus, we've got some convention uh, announcements as we get closer to the spring and summer months, so stay tuned for that. And I think that's it for us this week. Just so surprising. We usually like to talk a lot. (laughs) I know. We'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe. Marvel.